again, Massey Bible Chapel. Um, thanks for joining us. Um, I've noticed a trend, actually. Um, I just noticed it recently, but it's been going on since, uh, since probably last March. Um, almost every person that we've had preaching um, does it from a sitting position. Uh, and I'm the only fool that's been standing up this whole time. Um, so I'm going to try sitting today. We'll see what happens. Um, I love, I love my kids. I do. I love my kids. You know, when somebody starts with that, there's a but. But I, I love my kids. Um, but sometimes they're not the best listeners. Um, I couldn't count the number of times during a day that I'll say something and I might as well not have said anything at all. Um, because it just, as they say, it goes one, in one ear and out the other. Um, but there are some times where I just let it go. Like, it's just you know what, it's really not that important. Um, so I just, whatever, let it go. Um, don't tell Michelle, um, but I'm going to be honest here because I am in church. Um, the kids brushing their teeth at night, I'll tell them to do it. I'll, I'll do my part. I'll say, listen, you got to go brush your teeth. But sometimes I don't really enforce it. I mean, the teeth are going to fall out anyway. Um, and it, like... So this is the last couple years of conspiracy theories all over the place. What about this conspiracy theory? These, these dentists shaming us into making our kids brush their teeth that are just going to fall out anyway. <sighs> but anyway, um, so sometimes, sometimes it's important. Sometimes um, I will say it more than once. Sometimes it's not just brushing your baby teeth that are going to fall out. Sometimes it's something a little more important that, that I really need them to listen to. And in those cases, I'm going to repeat myself. And um, probably the more important it is, the more times I'll repeat myself. Because um, I, I just want to make sure it sinks in. I want to make sure that they're getting it. I want to read you, um, I don't know, 10, 12, something like that, verses um, from, from the New Testament. Um, I'm going to turn to them. You don't have to, but I'm going to turn to them in my Bible so that you see that I'm not making this up. Um, I think there's something that God, um, through, his, through his followers... Um, some message that he's trying to get us to, to understand, some message that he's, he's going to repeat for us. Um, so we're going to start John 13, verse 34. 1334 says this, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Verse 35, By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. John 15, 12. It says, My command is this, love one another as I have loved you. John 15, 17. This is my command, love one another. Romans 12, 10. Romans 12, verse 10. It says, 
Love one another with brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. First Peter. First Peter 1, verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. First John. First John 3. I'll get there, don't worry. First John chapter 3 verse 11. This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Verse 23. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. 1 John 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Second John, verse five. And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we've had from the beginning, I ask that we love one another. Love one another. Love one another. I am not the, uh, the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I do think God is trying to send us a message here. I think there's something that maybe... Maybe he wants us to get, and maybe it's a little more important than brushing your teeth before you go to bed. Um, love one another. And you saw a few times in those verses, it's not just a love like, like how I love the office or, or how I love this banana coffee. But we're to love one another as Jesus has loved us, as God has loved us, we are to love one another. I'm going to read, if I can find it here, um, just a page or two from this book called How's Your Soul? It's by, by a pastor named Judah Smith. And he says this. The other day I got upset at one of my kids. We were in the car and he did something that I told him at least five times not to do. I didn't handle it right at all. It was one of those times when you're, you're too tired to actually discipline your kids, so you just threaten them. If you do that one more time, and you say that again and again, escalating in emotion and volume each time, and then finally you can't take it anymore, and you go all incredible hulk on them. It's not right, of course. The rule of thumb is that if you find yourself losing your temper with your kids, you usually should have disciplined them earlier in the process. Give yourself a timeout and come back when you're an adult again. 
but I didn't do that. I snapped. I stormed out of the car. I walked to the back, opened the hatch, and fumed, get out of the car. He whined, I can't, my flip-flop. So I grabbed the flip-flop and I threw it to the ground. I didn't throw my son for the record, just his flip-flop. It is now permanently broken. I was so angry at this point. We went for a walk down the sidewalk and I was walking 10 feet in, feet in front of him. I was trying not to eat my young. A few minutes later, after I calmed down, I was embarrassed and frustrated with my behavior. I knew in my heart that Jesus would have handled the situation differently. My wife informed me that I had a problem. Something like, you're handsome as heck, but you're out of control. I might have made up the first half of that. So I texted a couple of my cousins for help. They have the same DNA as me, and I secretly hoped they had the same problem with their tempers, because then I wouldn't be so embarrassed. But of course, of course, they're both incredibly self-controlled. As we were texting back and forth, I mentioned, I can't imagine Jesus doing this. Maybe he threw a couple of Peter's sandals. But Jesus wouldn't, threat, wouldn't treat his children this way. Jesus knew how to love everyone, all the time, no matter what. That was a revelation to me. Bottom line, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to look like Jesus, live like Jesus, and love like Jesus. I'm tired of trying to love on my own, in my own way, in my own strength. I want more of Jesus so that I can love the way he loves. I'm a long way from 1 Corinthians 13, 7, but my desire and my prayer is that my soul would find its shelter and def definition and purpose in God's love. I want to know this God of love so well and walk with him so closely that his love becomes part of the fabric of my soul. If you found a community in a church made up of people like that, a church that doesn't just preach love and then live like grizzly bears during the week, but a church that is committed to living and loving like Jesus, wouldn't you be a part of it? If you found a neighborhood like 1 Corinthians 13, 7, wouldn't you move there for the rest of your days? If you found a spouse like this, wouldn't that person be the person you'd want to spend your life with? Isn't that the kind of parent you'd like to be? The kind of kids you'd like to raise? If so, then let's be those people. Love one another as I have loved you. As Jesus has loved us, that's how we're to love one another. We're to be patient. We're to be kind. You know what? I'm going to turn to 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to read what, what Jesus, through Paul, defines love as. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love 
never fails. That's the kind of love that we are loved with by God. This verse behind me, can you see it? For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. See, God didn't just love us, like I said, like I love the office or I love coffee. Um, But God's love caused him to move. It caused him to do something. He didn't just stand back in heaven and say, I love you. But he did something about it. He sent Jesus to die for us. That's the kind of love we are loved with, by with our Savior. That's the way he loves us. And that's, that's the sacrificial love that he wants us to show to each other. Love one another as I have loved you. There is no way that we can do that on our own. There's no way. I, I way too often, um, as, as Judah said in his book, turn into the Incredible Hulk with my kids. Way too often. I way too often at work will, will go by myself and, and mumble something. I way too often with, with my wife will, will answer back when I shouldn't. We cannot love like this on our own. We need Jesus. We need him to, to, to walk with us. We need to, to lay our burdens on him. And, and as we do that, and as we, as we walk with him, and as we read his word, and as we talk to him, we grow in love with him and in love with each other. The only way we will be able to, to do this, that, that God has reminded us over and over and over and over to love one another, the only way is to get close to him. So that's our challenge. Let's be that church. That church that, that just loves people so much that they can't help but be intrigued by us. They may not believe what we believe, but they know there's something there. There's something about those people. There's something about that church. They just, they just love people. Let's be that church. If you're somebody that, uh, that doesn't know Jesus, um, somebody just just watching in on us just to see what this is all about. I need to tell you how much Jesus loves you. I said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God loved us so much that he moved. And you've probably heard before, you know, Jesus died for your sins. And you've, um, I know I've taken for granted before, as I've said it, that people just understand what that means. Second Corinthians tells us that, that God made him who knew no sin to become sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. So what it means when, when Jesus died for your sins, 
See, you and I have been separated from God. Our sin, the things, the bad things we do, the, the, the good things that we don't do that we should have done, these things have separated us from God. We needed a bridge to, to get back to God. There was nothing we could do. We can't build that bridge. This debt that we have, that we have incurred is, is it's so deep that there is nothing we can do. God demands perfect. God demands righteousness. And we are so far from that. And God knows that, which is why God sent his son. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. He sent Jesus to come to this earth to live a perfect life. Jesus did the right thing when he should have. Jesus never did the wrong thing. He lived a perfect life. And only somebody who did that could take on the wrath of God for us. God made Jesus become your sin on that cross. Every lie you've ever told, everything you've ever stole, anything you have ever done was put on Jesus in that moment. And when his blood was shed, when he died for you, he, he built that bridge back to God. Because of Jesus' death, because he took our sin on him, we can be made right with God. We can be made righteous. If we accept this gift that he has given us and give our lives to him, fall in love with him, he sees us as righteously as he sees his son. We are sons and daughters of God. And that's incredible. If, uh, if that's something that, that you'd like to be, if you're looking at this and saying, listen, I've tried everything. Nothing works. I, am, I have no peace. I'm always anxious. I, I have no rest. I'm telling you, Jesus is the answer. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and, and just burdened and, and, and weighted down, and I'll give you rest. Jesus will give us a peace that is beyond any of our understanding. If that's something you want, I'd like you to, uh, to raise your hand and to, to pray with me. Um, raising your hand and praying. It's not some magical formula um, that, that opens the lock into heaven, but it just, it solidifies um, what's actually going on inside of you right now. So let's do that. Father, I thank you for sending Jesus. I thank you that you made him bear my sin and that in his death and resurrection I can be made right with you I thank you for new life I give you mine
I ask for a peace that is beyond my understanding. I ask you to bear the weight, bear the burdens, and give me rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love for you to get a hold of us. We'd love to get a Bible in your hand. We'd love to pray with you. Um, let's be that church, Massey Bible Chapel. Let's be that church that loves one another. Love one another. Have a great week. Mm -hmm.